Jesus a hand. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We're going to have some specials tonight. Pressing on, same key, Brother Andrew, I think it is. Pressing on. Amen. Hallelujah. Happy to be in church. Amen. Why don't you turn around and greet somebody? Give them a big old smile. Can you do that? Don't mean mug them. Give them a big old smile. Say, I'm happy to see you here. Amen. In the house of God on this rainy Wednesday night. Oh, pressing. Is that the right? G is good. Oh, pressing on. I'm going to keep pressing on. I'm going to keep pressing on to the higher calling of my Lord. Oh, pressing on. I'm going to keep pressing.
sing this with us now. Well, Satan tries to stop me, turn me aside. Says no need for me to go on, don't even try. And even if there was a rapture, you'd never make it in. I just say, Satan, oh, that proves you're alive. specials before we do brother luther would you come amen now and take up the offering <clears throat> sister deborah if you just get ready amen for your special and then sister sarah after that we have needs that we'll take up after the service but maybe you have something upon your heart you just want to identify by an uplifted hand and say would you remember my need amen tonight lord take up the offering brother luther special request for my son suffering severe depression I haven't been in that situation before so it's almost crippling but God is able and God is working amen. amen there's no doubt about it let's pray father you saw the request upon the hearts this evening the request upon my heart those that are streaming father we gather here together to say, Lord, we love you. We are counting on you for all of our needs, Father. Forgive us for our shortcomings, and Lord, we pray that you help us to be pleasing in your sight. Those that are struggling, suffering this evening, Lord, we pray for them. Remember my brother Don, my brother Joe, my son Stephen, Father. Lord, we worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank you for the victory in every step of the way, Lord. We thank you for the strength to keep pressing on. Pray that you bless the tithes and offerings this evening. Lord, bless your people. And most of all, Lord, the greatest form of worship, I pray that you magnify that gift. Magnify our hearts to receive your word. We pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Brother John's mic also, if you could have that unmuted. Brother John's mic. long 
I see your sorrow Each step that you take When all hope is gone If you will just hold on I'll cover you with my hand Give you another chance
My mama and daddy talked about going home Since I was just a babe on their knee They said that nothing compared to what was waiting up there How one day we would finally be free Well, I've never seen it, but I keep on believing It will be a place like I've never known I keep my eyes on the sky, cause my soul wants to fly Lord, my heart is ready to go This life that I'm living seems at peace is something I'll never find. I try to lighten my load when all that I've got to show is 700 things on my mind. But I'm seeing visions of a crystal clear river where sin's forgotten without a trace. More than I've ever dreamed, my eyes.
I want to know how it feels. Stand to your feet. Amen. How many want to know how it feels? I believe in heaven. I know that it's real, but I want to know how it feels. Amen. Boy, I don't know about y'all. Maybe y'all got wet and you're all upset that you're wet. And you're sitting here cold and I just don't want to move. I don't want to smile. I'm wet. My hair's wet. But I don't know about you. I'm just glad to be in church. Amen. How many is glad to be in church? Why don't you smile? Smile like this. Say, I'm happy. Lord, I'm happy to be in church. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Boy, I said that and people are still frowning. I don't know what to do. Don't know what to do to make you happy tonight, but I believe the Lord's got something for us. Amen. That's all right. We're not always happy. Not everybody had a good day like me. <laughs> uh, praise the Lord. But I'm happy to be here in church. Amen. We want to change the order of the service now. Invite, amen, our pastor to come. I want to make sure I didn't have any uh, the specials. I didn't have any that I'm forgetting, did I? No. Okay, good. Praise the Lord. Did you come with a need? Maybe you just want to lift up a hand and identify and say, I've got something upon my heart, Lord. I want you to come and meet my expectation. We believe in a supernatural God. Amen. We believe that the Bible says wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, there I'll be in their midst. I'm a believer of that. And I just want to say, Lord, I believe that you're here. I believe your word is coming tonight for a purpose for my life. And I just want to cast aside any thoughts, any cares of the world, anything I'm thinking about, anything that's troubling me. How many want to just say, Lord, let me just focus on you. Amen. Raise your hand up. Say, Lord, I just want to focus on you. Turn my eyes to you tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's sing this song together. Turn your eyes upon Jesus as we invite our pastor to come. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful faith. Yes, This is your chance now. Turn your eyes. Oh, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful faith. And the things of Enter and now raise your hands and sing that again now. Oh, in 
song. I learned it years ago. Let's raise our hands and sing it again. Oh, turn, turn your eyes upon. Hallelujah, Lord. Look for in his wonderful face. Hallelujah. Oh, and the things of Hallelujah. You love the Lord. Give him a hand this evening. My. Oh, I tell you, I don't do that because of a form. I just think he's worthy of it. My, praise God. We're happy to have you in the house of God tonight. Amen. I heard the song leader trying to spur you on. Amen. We're going to preach on the joy of the Lord tonight. <laughs> Only not like you think. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Hope it don't make it worse. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to invite you to the book of Nehemiah this evening. Amen. We're going to go to right to chapter 8 and Hallelujah. And uh, Ezra and Nehemiah are two of my favorite books. You run into them right after the book of 2 Chronicles. You'll crash right into those brothers. Wonderful, wonderful men of God. Ezra, in fact, penned. He was the scribe of Chronicles. Uh, Samuel was the writer of First and Second Kings. It's commonly held that Ezra penned the Chronicles, which is why sometimes you'll find, like in the Gospels, the same story told from a different angle. Amen. And it can sometimes even look like um, differences in the story, but the Bible is filled with that, you know. It's written that way on purpose sometimes just to, to trick scoffers. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so, you know, we, we I'm appreciative of the Lord tonight that he opens his word to his family. Aren't you glad for that? You happy to be a part of his family? Amen. I'm glad to have you all out tonight. It was uh, pretty rainy in certain parts and especially back over uh, toward Ridgeland. I was talking to Brother Tony, and they were having a monsoon, and I looked on the radar, and my goodness, the whole thing. Brother Luther, how would you get out of that, man? And it was all red and orange, and I said, wow, man, you might be in it for a while. Amen. So, uh, but I think the word Brother Tony is he's even further on west than you, isn't he, Luther? Yeah. So uh, he said, man, Brother Jason, I can't even see 10 foot in front of me. So I said, you better be careful. So... Um, Amen. We want to be praying for some of those saints out that way um, and different ones. Tonight I went to get Sister Mom. I didn't want her driving in this, so amen. Happy to have her here with us tonight. God bless you all. Nehemiah chapter 8. Amen. We want to take a, a continuation from Sunday and uh, the Lord willing. And so I, 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 I'm trusting that the Lord will give us everything that we have need of. I enjoyed Sunday. It was, as I said, gave me an opportunity to start a new series. And my, you know, I, I, I started on the time of the unsealing. And you're going to see why tonight on Sunday we stopped here. We made reference to Nehemiah chapter 8, 
but uh, we want to go back there this evening and catch it. Nehemiah chapter 8, and we're going to begin at verse 8, and we'll catch 8, 9, and 10. Let's, um, yeah, chapter, verse 8. So they read in the book, in the law of God distinctly, and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. You remember Sunday, we were right here showing you that this is a type of the fivefold ministry because Ezra had taken the people back. You can see in Zerubbabel and Ezra and Nehemiah and you, you find, you know, that Zerubbabel went back to, you know, get, get, a, get a, the temple worship to restore worship. And then Ezra come in behind him to reestablish the law and reestablish the word. And then Nehemiah comes in behind that and he's got to build a wall and it deals with the walls of our lives. And I've preached on that before. Let me tell you something, friends. God didn't just send a prophet to entertain the world. Amen. He didn't send a message, as I've said to you so many times, the message isn't, didn't come to fill you with better theology than the UPC. And so it, it came to, to turn you into something. It came to produce a life. And that is really uh, testifying to Brother Chris as we were coming to church tonight, Brother Chris St. John. And we were, I was saying, you know, the, 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 the whole theme, and, and this is going to be important for you to get. I'm going to let you be seated in a minute. Um, but the, the whole theme I want you to get in this series is that we're going to encapsulate the age to show us what God has done and where we are. But a lot of that is, will be rudimentary to us. But what, I, what I, the real burden, and I hope you will come with these kinds of glasses on to look at it this way. My real burden is, is what will it take at the, right at the end to, for the people of the end time who know their God to do great exploits. What's it going to take? Brother Branham, we, we can talk all we want to about the third pull, and we can talk about the spoken word, and Brother Branham said a lot about it. We can talk about the seventh thunder mystery and the seventh seal, and there's a lot said about it, and we're going to say a lot about it. But remember that every time a prophet came to that, he started with God in simplicity, and when he finished it, where does he come to the end of the seventh seal? And he starts admonishing the people to just be a real Christian. Be a humble servant of God. Serve the Lord. Be consecrated. Be dedicated. Amen. In Why Christ Speak, I was listening to it today. Brother Branham, same thing, where he's talking about the power of the spoken word, and he comes to the end of that sermon, and he's imploring his own tabernacle. This is a time for rededication. This is a time for consecration. God is not Santa Claus. Amen. Amen. Verse 9. And Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha, which is, means a governor, Nehemiah, which is the governor, and Ezra, the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, this day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of of the law. You know why they were weeping? Because they were so brokenhearted for the lives they had lived and were and were underachieving in the promises of God. And when they read what God 
had said in his word and they hadn't heard it in so long. And they realized that their lives were a million miles from what they were supposed to be. It broke their hearts. That's a good way. That's a good broken heart. Amen. Amen. Then he said unto them, verse 10, go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the Lord. Neither be ye sorry for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love and kindness to us. Lord, I'm just here, Lord, to carry on and put in another, another fold of this thought, Lord, and a, another installment, and we're only going to get so far tonight. So, Father, just help me now to have my thoughts crystallized according to your will. I believe I have it, and I'm committing it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Several days ago, and um, it just the Lord leads you in such amazing ways, sometimes it even catches you by surprise. And I was, I've been studying this, the, the, I've had the notes creating, working, uh, probably put my first installment of notes on this sermon probably several weeks ago. And so it's just kind of been building and building. I was finishing up other things, waiting for the unction of the Lord. And so we're coming now tonight to a part two uh, uh, in this series, uh, the time of the unsealing. And the, the, again, the theme of the unsealing, what was the unsealing? The mighty God unveiled in our day. But that, that was not, as I, as I was just saying, that remember, God didn't didn't bring the word to entertain us. And we don't have all of these great and wonderful promises about the spoken word so that you can go out here and just create whatever you want to. Uh, the whole premise is the life of Jesus because Jesus had that kind of power. Jesus walked up to a tree and when he couldn't find what he wanted, he said, no man eat from thee forever. And nothing happened at that moment. A lot of times you say, oh, the power of the spoken word, it's going to come right away. We're going to say a lot about that. It, it's, not as, it's not as straightforward as you might think it is. God, remember this, God is training us for a world to come. You're in training. Even we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, tonight about overcoming adversity and trials and things that we go through and, and how the joy of the Lord, what's the real essence of the joy of the Lord because here it is in the days of Nehemiah right here at the end time because this is the time of the Feast of Trumpets. That's the millennium. That's body change. Feast of Tabernacles. You understand? Feast of Tabernacles refers to the body change. It's, it's when we're headed home to a millennium. How many want that? And, and so this is the time when you've had a Zerubbabel come. You've had a Ezra in type come. You've got a Nehemiah now who's here. And, and Nehemiah's not even a preacher. So now you ought to really set up and pay attention because I'm not talking about Ezra. I'm talking about Nehemiah. He was just a governor. Yeah. 
This is you. This is your everyday life because Nehemiah was coming back to reestablish people in their life. That it wasn't just going to be, oh, Ezra gave you the word. Now you've got a lot of theology. Oh, Zerubbabel will come back and they laid the foundation. You're going to have a new, you're going to have a new, uh, you're going to get a new church. But when Nehemiah came, the walls were crumbling and the gates were burned and nobody cared and the, the, the preachers were out in the fields like farmers and nobody was caring about, about what it meant to live the word of God. And we have come down in this last day, dear friends, we have come down and we say, this is the end time. This is the time of the spoken word. And oh my, it's a rejoicing time. And truly it is a rejoicing time. But the key to the rejoicing, and I want to say this real clear, your key to the joy of the Lord starts with a broken heart. It's, it's got to start there. It's got to start in, in, a, in a cleanness that comes from a repentive heart that cleans itself of the world. That, that's when the joy of the Lord, because remember, it's the joy of the Lord. So it's supernatural. And, and so I, I, I was, I, in my, even in my morning study all this week and in days past, I kept coming across, across various nuggets in, in the family altar with Brother Branham and uh, streams and different places that I was reading. I, I, I read this one scripture uh, in streams because here, here's something that we talk about a lot. And it's a scripture. And, and, and this is more of a paraphrase than the, than the King James Version, but I think this is maybe New King James Version. But you've heard it, you've read it, you've saw probably a sign. Laughter doeth good like a medicine. Amen. And that's wonderful. Yeah. Happiness and, you know, contentment is, is very valuable to learn. But you have to learn to be content because real contentment doesn't, doesn't rely on stuff. Amen. See? So that, that's just anybody say, oh, I'm content. Well, if you got a couple of mil in the bank and you got, and you got perfect health and everybody likes you, I guess you are content. <laughs> but real contentment is achieved. Amen. And it's arrived at. It takes... Uh, it takes some overcoming. It takes some victory. It takes some adversity. Laughter doeth good like a medicine. But the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes 7.3, sorrow is better than laughter. Now imagine that. I can come out here today and go, hey, laughter, laughter doeth good like a medicine. We'd all go, oh, yeah, oh, oh it's going to be a wonderful sermon tonight. And then I turn around and say, yeah, but sorrow is better than laughter. Ecclesiastes 7, 3, sorrow is better than laughter. Catch it now. Here's why. It's not just going to make a statement and leave you hanging. It's going to tell you why. For by the sadness of the countenance, the heart is made better. So, you know, we find that, that sorrow is better for heart disease than laughter. According to the Bible. Now, remember that when Brother
Adam talks about, you know, bi- speaking about biology and speaking, quoting science of his day, and it's still true to this day. And he starts talking about, he says, you know, they say the number one killer is heart disease. And Brother Branham says, I don't want to tell the doctor his business. He said, but I disagree with that. He said, the greatest problem is sin disease. Hearts full of sin. So while laughter could do good like a medicine, sorrow is better than laughter for for a heart that is diseased with sin. In fact, it's the greatest heart disease, as Brother Brandon would say, is sin disease. You know, people always, uh, I shouldn't say always, but more often, I, I find it too often. Let me say it that way. Over the years, pastoring and ministering around the world, I find so many times that people will, you know, take off and run down the road of sin. Young people, they get raised in a Christian home and they're protected and kept and the church and the preacher's praying for them and they're just bound and determined to go, to go wild. And it seemed like no matter what you do, sometimes you can't stop it and you struggle and fight with it. And I've seen them go down the road of sin. And then, you know, if they're a child of God, it's not very long before their life capsizes. How many can relate to that? And it's one thing, you know, if you come back with a contrite heart because God loves a contrite heart. It's amazing, friends. I want to say to you today, it is astonishing the amount of sin God will forgive in a moment if you come to him with a contrite heart. You can reverse years. Oh, I could almost cry. You can reverse years, decades of the most heinous ungodliness in a moment with the right kind of heart and approach to God with a broken spirit and raised hands and tears streaming and say, Lord, God, forgive me. And in a moment, he just wipes it away as if you never did it at all. And you're instantly a son or daughter restored. Sometimes we have the scars of sin left by, left over, and the Lord even helps us with those. But, you know, the, the, the... when we find that too often times, too, more times than I'm comfortable with, I find people running down the road of sin, their life capsizes, and they, they get all depressed, and they get all discouraged, and they come around the family of God, and they just want God to make them happy. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> make me happy again. But, it, but it's true sorrow over your sin is the medicine you need, not happiness. See, it's the greatest, real, true, brokenheartedness in repentance is the greatest medicine you can receive from God because you can't get there on your own. It's God rich in mercy drawing your heart, breaking your heart, driving you to an altar. You're not just down there. Some people are. They're just, they just want out of their jam. Yeah. Amen. And as, Math, as Brother Matthew Watkins preached, preached some time ago, people can get very sorry for the result of what sin got them into. They're very regretful over it. But, they're not, but that's a far cry from being sorry over the sin itself. Amen. Amen. See, 
So, you know, when sorrow comes under the power of God's grace, then that's really where God can move in your life. You know, I I read this uh, on one of my devotional, one of the mornings. It says, God never uses anybody to a large degree, is referencing Genesis 29, I'm sorry, Genesis 49, 22. God never uses anybody to a large degree until after he breaks that one all to pieces. Amen. Brother Branham talks about that. He says the only way to get the fragrance out of the rose is to crush it. And it talks about how that, how that Joseph, you know, he, he was, he was, it was said of Joseph that he is a fruitful bough. And he lives by a well. He's like a, he's like a tree planted by the, a great well whose branches just flourish and just run right over the wall. You can't even contain him. He's so flourishing. But let me tell you something. Joseph had more trouble and adversity and sorrow that he had to go through than all of his brothers combined. He had more sorrow than all the sons of Jacob in it. But yet, that path led led Joseph to to be the giver of bread to a starving nation. Think about that now, friends. See, it takes, it was said, I, I wrote this quote down. It said, it takes sorrow to widen the soul. And because this was so on my heart, I thought, my, that is so, so poignant and so true. You know, because what... You know, and you, you know, you could, you, you might could say here tonight, oh, Brother Jason, what happened to the joy of the Lord? Can, can you, can you, can you get back to the joy of the Lord? You know, I, I'm here to tell you that what I'm preaching tonight is much more effective to widen your soul. And it really is the pathway to the joy of the Lord. Because as I said to you already, you need to realize that the joy of the Lord is a reward for faithfulness. It's a reward for diligence, see? And so it's, it, remember, it's the joy of the Lord. As I've already said in my opening statement, you could tell I was ready to preach this. It's a supernatural force. In fact, is it's so supernatural that it doesn't even require a state of happiness. Amen. Or blessing at all. It doesn't require a state of happiness. It doesn't, the joy of the Lord doesn't require blessing at all. It doesn't, it doesn't require good news. The joy, realize that the joy of the Lord, it literally maintains its faithfulness even in the midst of the deepest trials. How many have experienced that kind of joy of the Lord? It maintains its effectiveness, its efficacy, its faithfulness, even in the midst of deep trials, even in sometimes seemingly impossible tribulations that threaten to consume you. How many have been there? If you've been alive on the earth any time at all, Job said you're only a few days anyway, and you're full of trouble, and you don't have to be very old to run into a lot of trouble. You know, but, but remember that the, it is the joy of the Lord that comes from a victorious life that outlasts anything Satan can throw at you. 
Oh my, what's that, what's that line, Sister M, that I'll long outlast this, this darkness? Yeah, because I am, uh, I'll long outlast this darkness because the Lord is fighting on my side or something like that. Yeah, because you're with me in this fight. Woo! Oh my, every time I, I get to feeling too bombarded by the enemy, I'll get online and pull up Sister Emily's song, and I'll just sit there in my dark living room early in the morning, and I'll, as she comes to that line, I'll long outlast this darkness. Man! Whoa! I'm like, hear me, devil? I'm gonna long outlast this darkness. You're not gonna get me! I'm going to keep fighting, and when I'm done, I'll fight some more. Hallelujah. I'm determined to be an overcomer. I will long outlast this darkness, this dark world, this dark Laodicea. Hallelujah. I'm not minimizing. Friends, I'm not here to minimize your hard trials. But get it, that fiery trials are the tools God uses to make you a fruitful bough as Joseph or a fruitful field. I mean, it's the very sharp and hard plow that the farmer uses to make a fruitful field. And, and we know that Jesus said, I, my, my father is, I, I'm the vine, you're the branches. My father is the farmer, the husbandman, the gardener. And, 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 you know, it, the, the, these are things that happen in our lives and they come our way. And sometimes, you know, we don't understand why the Lord can allow certain things. But you just remember that, 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 that it is these fiery trials that God uses. Can I say it this way? And I hope it will make you, I hope you don't think I'm minimizing your trials. It's, it's those trials that God used to fill you with abundance. I don't mean zeros in your bank account. I'm talking about the joy of the Lord. I, when I, in fact, is when I, I didn't realize it this evening when I opened my Bible to, to, to find my place for, for my text. And my family got me this Spurgeon Bible. I love it. My favorite Bible I ever had uh, for Christmas or birthday. I don't remember. And he literally, I couldn't believe it. He literally starts talking about the joy of the Lord, and he goes right into repentance. When I said, you got to be kidding. <laughs> and he says this, he says, as certain fabrics need to be dampened before they will take the glowing colors with which they are to be adorned, so our spirits need the grace of repentance before we can receive the radiant coloring of delight. Amen. I just thought how profound that was. He starts talking about, you know, it's, if there's ever seen a, you know, a clearer shining than that which follows a shower. The flowers are glistening. He said raindrops, the sun comes out and raindrops turn into, look like gemstones. But what, what took that? The showers. And, and he starts talking, he makes this statement at the end. I just thought he said the steps by which we ascend to the palace of delight are usually moist with tears. Amen. Amen. I just thought there was such strength in that because, listen, friends, I'm not here tonight to, to, to go into a series where, 
you know, it, 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 we've, we've had a lot of rejoicing and shouting over the word of God, but I've had such a burden on my heart because I can, I go back and I can see every type like here in Nehemiah and I realize it's coming to the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. And he's saying, you know, you know the people are weeping and they're brokenhearted. And, the, and, they, and it ought to be, rightly so, because that meant that Zerubbabel hadn't ran in vain and Ezra hadn't preached in vain and Nehemiah hadn't governed in vain. I'm here to tell you, your life's not in vain. It's counting for something. There's a mighty God with a book of remembrance and, and he, he has a promise that there will be a people. Brother Branham, you know, I was, I was listening the other day to um, As I Was With Moses, one of my favorite sermons. That's the sermon... If you ever hear me down here, sometimes I don't always say it when I feel inspired. I feel an evil spirit trying to resist. I just remind him what a prophet said, that as a servant of God, brother, ministers, as servants of God, according to Elijah, we are commissioned and commanded to stand in the steps of Jesus Christ and to perform his works. There's no option on it, brothers. We have to keep our lives dedicated and sincere before God. We have to stay prayed up and on fire. We have to, we have to constantly move ourselves in the direction of victory. And we do make mistakes and we do get down. But, but, all, but I know the path to the joy of the Lord. All I got to do is get down on my knees and begin to say, Lord, God, help me. I'm sorry. Forgive me. And then a joy unspeakable. It doesn't even matter if the circumstances change. There's no bearing on the joy of the Lord. I don't need happiness Hallelujah. or blessing. Yeah. Amen. We're here to fight, friends. We're here to Amen. take the enemy's ground away from him. I want you to absorb that tonight. We're here not just to hold Satan at bay. I get that he that letteth will let till he be taken out of the way. But as I've said to you many times before, the Lord didn't save you at an altar, you know, and say, okay, you're safe, see you in heaven. And I, and I usually follow that up with, you know, we are hoping to board the old ship of Zion someday. But the Lord never told me to go down to the docks and sit on my luggage. <laughs> I, I, need to be, I need to be in the fight. Uh, God is, has raised up soldiers. And I'm here to tell you something, friends. A lot of times you, we have to go through adversity to get us there. And it's too bad. Brother Branham said sometimes we need a, a faith. And the level of faith we need is going to only have to be fueled by desperation. And unfortunately, we can't get ourselves desperate enough. So God has to bring something in our lives that makes us desperate. And then the desperation is like a factory. And it starts producing the faith. And then you start going forward. And this is God's way. Why does it surprise us? No wonder Peter said, don't think it's strange when fiery trials come. They're, they're, they're to grow you. They're to widen your heart, widen your soul, widen your mind. For the task at hand. It's a much more effective way of widening your soul. Abraham overcame a lot of adversity. And Abraham, you know, it's, it's amazing sometimes we forget what a, uh, 
what an amazing warrior Abraham was. Amen. We just think of him as a sheep herder, a simple, humble man who probably never, you know, raised his voice, who just walked on humbly. He was a, you know, he's a great man of faith, and, you know, he just, he just lived this kind of a stale life of just wandering around the desert and God talking to him. Abraham lived real life. Abraham had to settle domestic problems in his home. He had to settle domestic problems between him and his wife. He had to settle domestic problems between him and his kinfolk. He had to understand how to uh, prosper and he had to understand, he understood how to get in trouble and he, he had to learn how to be honest and confess his sin and repent and let God restore him. He kept having to learn that one. But you know, when you, when you, when you read in, the, in Genesis where, let's, let's look at Genesis 14, Ethan. I'm sorry to jump you. I, I didn't warn you, but um, give me Genesis 14 if you can get that up. I want to just read, um, I'm going to say, start around verse 10 maybe. I'm just guessing. <clears throat> um. Go to 11. Okay, so this is where you've got a bunch of kings who teamed up and came into the valley and stormed the gates of Sodom and Gomorrah. And you remember the story? They took a bunch of people captive and took all their money and all their treasure and took Lot, his nephew, and his wife and his children and his his in-laws, his daughter-in-laws and son-in-laws and daughters and son-in-laws, I meant to say. And... And, and watch this now. And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and went their way. Verse 12. And they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. Verse 13. And there came one that had escaped and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of, es- of Eschol, and brother of Anner, and these were confederate with Abram. Verse 14. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. And he divided himself. Look at this. This is a strategist. This guy is amazing. And he divided himself against them, he and his servants, by night. Do you notice that the Bible said they were not just servants. These were trained servants. All he did was arm them. They were already trained. All right? And, And his servants by night. And he smote them and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back how much? All the goods. And also brought again his brother Lot and his goods and the women also and the people. That's enough, Ethan. Thank you. And, you know, when you think about it, I mean, Abraham is a brilliant man. I mean, just, just, just think about this for a minute. Abraham was brilliant in just in the fact that, that he had a grasp on, on the, the ancient Chaldean knowledge. That's where his whole family had come from, from the Chaldeans. And so he, his, his heritage, you know, he has a, 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 at least a, a grasp on ancient Chaldee, Chaldean knowledge. And he was, he was, Abram was no pushover. Certainly not somebody to be trifled with. Amen. 
he's a direct descendant of Shem. Abraham, because remember that, that Abram was only 10 generations removed from a complete global extinction event. Amen. See? And, and of course, that event Abram knew was brought on by sin. Yep. See? And so, so finding himself then, you know, in a, in a fallen world, which is where we find ourselves, Amen. in a fallen world, among fallen men, uh, you know, he's, he's no naive fool. And the Bible doesn't call for us to just be naive idiots at the devil's tactics and to say, oh, I'm just a humble Christian and I'll just let God fight all my battles. Let me tell you something. God's going to fight your battles, but he's, got, he's putting a sword in your hand. Amen. Amen. See, I don't, I don't have any power. You understand that? I can't save one of you. I don't, I can't give any of your children the Holy Ghost. I don't have any power to do that. But what I do have is a weapon. And this weapon in the right hand has all kinds of power. And so I come with the sword of the spirit, the word of God. And we come with faith believing and we're, we're on the attack. I'm here tonight to attack the devil. I'm here to attack him in your lives and our, our children's lives and our, and our family's lives. Amen. See? And so what, whatever is happening, what, whether it's sin in our lives or we got our own self in it, I mean, even things that we might be culpable in, I'm here to tell you the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. If you want to be a warrior, you're going to need strength. And there's no greater strength than the supernatural joy of the Lord. And there's no better way to get that than repenting in your heart and crying out to God and being willing to face adversity and keep on going. It's incredible because, I mean, Genesis 14 shows that Abraham, he maintained a fighting battalion of more than 300 men. That's no joke. I mean, they, they, when, you, when you're in the field in battalion strength, you remember those days, Brother Kenny, Brother Joe? You remember those days? When you're in the field, and Brother Charles, you're, you're not at platoon strength. This isn't company strength. You got a whole battalion of, of trained men, and you're, you're, you're in the field of battle. And Abram literally, because he lived in a fallen world and he lived among fallen men, he literally has a, he's maintaining a fighting battalion of 300 warrior servants. Moreover, as you read it with me, you read it with me. I mean, in these verses, you know, he, I mean, he demonstrates that he's a, a master tactician. Amen. So I just thought he was a simple sheep herder. No, you'd be wrong. Oh, I just thought he walked around and stared at his feet all day. No, you'd be wrong. Abra, Abram is, is, a, is a master strategist. Who, who knowing, I mean, he, think about it. He, he knows how to track and pursue. He knew how to strike at night for the element of surprise. I mean, he, he, he literally knew how to track them, how to 
pursue him, how to sneak up on him in the darkness for surprise and divided his force for a perfectly executed pincer movement. Amen. This man is brilliant. See? And so he's, he, the, and the entire, the entire, the Bible uses the word slaughtered. Amen. You know what that means? It means they, they, the enemy died to the last man. Amen. He literally, the enemy force was slaughtered and Abram returns back with his battalion and there's no casualty report. Not one servant dies not one of the captives gets killed. Not one of their goods is lost. He returns people, husbands, wives, children, goods, garments, uh, kills all the enemy, slaughters them to the last man and returns with his entire battalion, 318 men still intact. Oh, my friends, you realize what God uh, is capable of doing in your life. You're, you're not just some backwoods, backwash. You know, you, you don't know nothing. No, you're the, you're the cream of the crop. You're the apple of his eye. You're the whole purpose of Calvary. Oh, my. Genesis shows him to be a, not just a simple sheep herder. G Genesis shows him to be a brilliant war chief and a successful herdsman, if I might say. See? So there's, there's nothing wrong with being trained for war, even though you're a man of faith. <laughs> Amen? Let's say it again. There's nothing wrong with being trained for war, even if you're a man of faith. Amen. So I'm just a man of faith. Good. You're going to need it. Now get, get some warrior training. Because God, did, God didn't bring all that on you just to decorate you and march you in a parade. I mean, listen, friends, this is the very, this is what the ministry of Melchizedek showed up. Look who met him after the slaughter of the kings in the, in the king's dale when he comes back. And Melchizedek comes and serves in communion. What was Melchizedek doing? Melchizedek was showing the kind of life you have, Abraham. That's the kind of life I, I recognize. That's the kind of life I validate. That I'm going to serve you wine and bread because I'm validating your life. You stayed out of Sodom. You kept to your, you stayed before me. You didn't go down into Sodom. You, you had enough foresight to be a strong man of faith. You had enough foresight to be able to destroy the enemy and protect your home and save your family. I wonder if we got enough men, dads, and mothers who have enough spiritual strength to, to go after and, and destroy an enemy in a complete slaughter. Hallelujah. This is exactly why, and I'm going to quit early tonight because we want to have prayer and we want to have some testimonies. I'm trying to gauge it. I'm trying to set the right example for Wednesday nights. When Joshua, I want to make this point before I, before I walk away. When Joshua took the children of Israel over to take the land, uh, you know, the very first divine being he met was a soldier. God didn't call him up to the mountain like he did Moses. He didn't meet him in a burning bush. See, God didn't, God didn't meet you on the Ohio River. 
He didn't come down like a star out of the heavens. God didn't walk up like, and you were in a cave and he stepped into a light. You, you, that, that, that's, not, that's how God met our Moses. But I'm here to tell you something, friends. We've crossed over under Joshua and it's time for war. And it's time to fight. And you have to ask yourself, why am I a believer? I hope that you're asking yourself that question tonight. Why am I a believer? Why do I come to this church? Why do I believe what I believe? Why do I believe God sent a prophet? I can promise you it's not for entertainment. It's not for recreation. It's not for theology. It's to make champions of the kingdom of God. It's to take from the devil. This is, do you realize that that's what, that's what the meaning of being more than a conqueror is? Amen. You're more than a conqueror because when you kill the enemy, you take all of his spoils. You get all of his ammo, all of his weapons, all of his tanks, all of his guns, all of his bullets, all of his rations, all of his water, all of his fuel, all of his airplanes. Now, you're not, you're not just a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. You're not here just to, to, to put the devil away. you got to go forward. He, you need to take some things back that he has taken from you. And you're more than able because God has given us the joy of the Lord is our strength. Because we have arrived at the end time. We've arrived. We're, we're here, Nehemiah. You gallant man. Ezra, Zerubbabel. Say unto Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. We have arrived at the Feast of Tabernacles. We have arrived at body change time. We have arrived at millennium time. The joy of the Lord is here. It calls for a contrite heart. It calls for a repentance. It calls for dedication. It calls for consecration and sincerity before God. I want that more than anything. Let's stand to our feet, friends. I, I'm just so taken with it. I'm so taken with what it, when, when I realize that for years we have talked about the power of the spoken word. And there are things that are yet to become greater. I believe that according to prophecy in the Bible, according to things Brother Branham said to us very clearly on tape, God is going to prove. I don't know all the details. And he didn't know all the details. And he didn't claim he did. And even some of the statements he makes are somewhat ambiguous. But I know collectively there's enough of them for me to know that, friends, God has something great. And I believe it's just laying right in front of us. Say, why do you think that? Because we've arrived at the, not the end time, we've arrived at the end of the end time. Say, you've been, I've heard preachers been saying it's the end for decades. That's right. It has been. That's not, that wasn't wrong. But now I'm here to tell you, we're not, we're not at the end time. The end time started with the opening of seven seals. That was the, that was the beginning of the end. And you have arrived now at the end of the end. You haven't run in vain. Sister Jean, you haven't run in vain. Brother Charles, you haven't run in vain. You haven't run in vain, friends. I haven't run in vain. I, I know that God is not only going to keep his word. I'm not looking for some way off out there. If you're always chasing something way off out there, I'm telling you it's here. It's right now. 
You have, you have arrived at the time of the unsealing. And God is ready to do amazing things. And a lot of times, some of the most amazing things happen in silence. One of the most amazing things, do you know one of the most amazing things that happened in your life today? The sun rose. If it didn't rise, the earth would be in darkness and cold and would be a dead planet devoid of all life in a very short time. If the sun suddenly went away, life could not be sustained on the earth. So I'm here to tell you that the greatest event that happened to you today and for you was the sun rose. Now I asked you a question. Anybody hear it? Did anybody feel ripples go through the air? No? It just rose. And all of a sudden, there it was. And it went all day long warming the earth, using its, its energy on a, a big ball of flame and heating from that many miles away and gave you warmth and gave you light, and in the light is life. Nobody heard it. You didn't even feel it unless you walked out and felt warm rays. So we're not, we're not here to chase some sensational, I don't know, way out there somewhere over a rainbow. No, I'm here to tell you, you're at the time of the unsealing. It's now. You're here. It's arrived. And I don't know. I mean, I think that God is already doing more in us than we're even aware of. I think there's more supernatural operating in you that you're a believer in this impossible age. I, I, you know, uh, let, let's give the Lord some credit. He's keeping me. And from glory to glory, he's changing me. I'm so glad I can say that. I'm so glad I've been raised in this. I've been in it my whole life. But I can still say today, even after all these years, he's still changing me. He's still growing me. He's still moving me. Oh, one of these mornings, we're going to just move right into another dimension, friends. Oh, hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for our time together now, Lord. And thank you for your word. I commit it now to you, Master. I feel completely satisfied that I was able to get everything that you wanted said. And so now, Lord, we turn our hearts and minds to prayer. We have requests to pray over and sick people and needs and various things. And Lord, oh, how we need you in this day. How we need you in this hour. There's never been an hour where we needed you more than now. So I pray, Father, that you be our helper tonight as we look to you now in Jesus' name. Gather around as Brother Matt sings for us. Amen. I'm going to keep resting I'm going to keep resting on to the higher calling of my Lord. Oh, I'm going to keep resting on, on and on and on, resting on. 
to stop me. Think about it. And turn me aside. Says there's no need for you to go. I just say, that proves, on, pressing on, hallelujah, on and on and on, pressing on, I'm going to keep pressing on, to the higher calling of my Amen. Praise the Lord. I have just one special unspoken prayer request from Sister Sharon Short, so we'll take that to the Lord. I didn't have any other prayer requests that come in, but I know a lot of times, sometimes when you arrive to church, you don't think you have a need until the preacher gets done, and then you feel how many feel you have a need tonight. Something in your heart, you need to pray and ask the Lord's help. You know, I was talking, Brother Chris and I, we were coming to church, and and we were just, Brother Chris made a comment about, you know, just the conversations of late that he's had with the Lord. And I said, well, you know, Chris, that's, that's exactly, that, that, that's exactly like the Bible. That's what God actually wants. That, that I, I did a study some time ago, not too awful long ago, right in the latter part of last year. And I, I got enamored with, with these prophets and pre and priests and kings and apostles and I mean even in the book of Acts and different places where these long elaborate detailed I'm talking about almost like a like a this prayer where you know this man implored God and and built his case and gave him reasoning and Lord we've got this problem and here's what your word says and we need this kind of help and if you don't do it this is going to happen over here and we're trusting you right here and Lord you've got to come on the scene and, and, and remember your word and remember your people and for thy great love and all and I mean just these elaborate prayers and I was like wow I mean it, it occurred to me I thought let me go back and look at some of Brother Branham's prayers same thing Brother, sometimes Brother Brown would be praying for somebody and just get down. You remember the prayer when the man got his car stole? And Brother Branham didn't just lay hands on him and say, Lord, go find his car. He got down and, and built a case. He said, now, Lord, this poor brother, he drives all these many miles. And he comes, he, he's poor, Lord, but you know he's a Christian. You know he loves you. Now, Lord, some evil person has stole his car. You think God didn't know all that? You think these prophets and kings and Brother Branham and Paul and different ones in the Bible, do you think they're telling God something he doesn't know? The Bible says, who's been his counselor? But yet God, I said, it's not about that. It's that God loves the interaction. That's why Brother Branham said, ask big things. Don't be afraid to ask. Pray, believe. He said, ask big things. God wants you to. You got a prophet's permission. God wants you to. The Bible says, ask big 
that your joy may be full. Ask abundantly. I mean, look, I, I, can, I, can, I can give you a double testimony. You know, I had small children, I had small grandchildren, and even to this day, whether they're grown and strapping bigger than me, there was, there was you know, there was times when, when I would come, to, you know, and I'd want to do something for my sons, and I'd get a big joy out of seeing their smile, or a, grand, a grandchild. I'd go buy them something, you know, and just to hear them squeal. And, and, and I got a great joy out of that. But that's nothing. Every parent, especially grandparents who are special, know this to be true. There's nothing like having that child or that grandchild come and say, one of my sons say, Dad, uh, Dad, I've got a problem. Bob, you help me. I've got to have the, can you, you know. And, or, or a grandchild come and say, Papa, i got a situation. And Papa, if you could help me and over here. And then if you just, and then we can, and oh my goodness. That, then I will stop heaven and earth. Wild horses couldn't keep me away from it. See, because the thrill I get because they engaged me and asked me and then I get to do it. And, and God is a heavenly father. Amen. Remember that. He's a heavenly father. He, he wants you. What's on your heart, son? What's on your heart, daughter? Pull up a chair. Let's talk about it. This, this, is, this is what Brother Branham said. He wants that. Amen. Oh, friends, don't. Don't just treat him like a, you know, like a vending machine. He's a real being. Talk to him like a friend. Talk to him like a brother. You got a need tonight. Amen. You got a need. Let's go to him. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the liberty that we have in the presence of God. I thank you for these people tonight, Lord, who come out on this rainy night to hear the Word of God. I know there's others, Lord, streaming and, and couldn't make it tonight. We understand that, Father. I believe the Word went out tonight, and, and I believe it was an, an arrow of deliverance that found its mark, oh God. I know the enemy's afraid tonight for what the people heard because they might put it into action. Lord, I pray that every one of them will put it into action. Every one of them will go forward with new faith and new confidence. Lord, these needs, we have one unspoken prayer request and we have hands that went up across our audience and we need these things of thee, Lord. You see, Lord, my, both of my hands went up because I have great needs in my heart, Lord. Needs for myself, needs for my family, needs for this church. Lord, may you grant them according to your riches and glory. Your word promises us such great things, oh God. And so we thank you. We love you for it. We believe you'll You'll meet it, Lord. I believe that every hand that had that need, you know it well. Lord, I believe you'll meet it now according to your riches and glory. We commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Anybody got a testimony tonight before we go? Amen. Sister Melissa, I got to find some fiend has stolen my mic. Oh, thank you, sir. Hey, you come unplugged there, buddy. <laughs> All right. Pass that to Sister Melissa. Um, last week we prayed for a 14-year-old um, young man who had been in an accident. Mm -hmm. And the doctors, as of, um, I guess, Friday and Saturday, the doctors told the family that there was no hope and that they needed to start thinking about letting him go and, and that kind of thing. Well, they were in the, um, the family was gathered around the hospital room and they were just trying to process that information. And the young man woke up. He just just woke up. 
and um, he reached for his mom and was trying to get to her. And so, of course, the medical staff did put him back into a coma because he's got so many broken bones, I guess, or, or injuries of whatever kind, that they felt it was best to keep him medically um, in a coma so that he wouldn't thrash around and mm -hmm. hurt himself more. Mm -hmm. But they realized that he... You know, he's there. He's, wow, praise and the Lord. And so the family asked that we continue to pray, and I just wanted to give that testimony. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Anybody else over on this side got a testimony before we go? Amen. Anybody over here? Going once, going twice. Amen. Praise the Lord. Y'all going to get more in the habit of this. You're going to start going, man, Wednesday night, I better think of something to thank the Lord for. <laughs> oh, I know we, we have many things to thank him for, don't we, friends? Turn around and shake hands with somebody. We're going to let you go. Hey, look at that. I got you out at 834. You preachers, take note. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. It's you can be dismissed. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Full of glory. Full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory.
So cover 